Hey guys, welcome to episode number 23 of the Jaysla Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Manley, and tonight, a really cool interview. If you guys follow Jaysla on Facebook, you'll know we now have an official coach, uh, a coach that's been racing in series like the Pearly World Challenge, uh, IMSA, uh, an instructor for places like the Porsche Track Experience and Barber, uh, the Primal Racing School. Really cool guy. Most of you guys already know him, but it is none other than Mr. Patrick Wilmot. Patrick was nice enough to call in while on vacation uh, down at a beach in Florida and spend some time with Rick and I and talk about what he intends to do uh, with coaching guys like uh, like us, regular track day people, and bringing that huge experience he has uh, to help us get faster. Now, not every group has somebody like this on staff, so it was a really cool opportunity. And uh, before we interviewed him, I said, hey, man, what's off limits? And he said, absolutely nothing. So we talk a little bit about his coaching experience, um, what he does exactly to help uh, guys like us us track day guys get you know faster um, at tracks like AMP, Road Atlanta. He's even coming to Charlotte. Um, he even talks what his rates are, what uh, how much it will cost to actually hire him, um, and even how you can pay him. We also talk a little bit about some of his favorite racing memories, um, where he intends to go, and it was just a really candid interview. He was really honest. Um, we asked some some deep questions, and uh, just a really cool guy. Um, I enjoy hanging out with him in the paddock. Uh, the, the few times I have at the Jayzilla events, and I really look forward to seeing more of him uh, in the future future and um, like I said he will be at Charlotte Motor Speedway so if you guys uh, listen to this and you're interested in getting some coaching uh, from a guy that's really done it all and raced every type of car uh, reach out to him on social media um, you can find him on Instagram uh, obviously on Facebook on all those medias and uh, get something set up with him a little bit of housekeeping um, before we get started if you have not already speaking of Charlotte register now Saturday August 15th Jayzilla under the lights this year is going to be a really cool event because we're doing it in joint conjunction as a lot of you guys know with the Lucky Dog Racing League they're coming from the west coast and they're going to have a race uh, Friday night uh, into Saturday morning it'll be a park for May two part race and Sunday after Jayzilla under the lights so if you guys have any interest and uh, you guys are an endurance team whether you run uh, Champ Car WRL um, AER and you guys and you guys have an open slot that weekend for your car. Uh, come on by. Uh, you can look up Lucky Dog Racing League on Facebook um, online and get registered. Really reasonable fees and uh, should be a cool event to actually get to race Charlotte. Um, I know I will be and I guess I'll take this opportunity now to announce. Um, got a really cool lineup in the Jayzilla Miata. Um, Going to be join, joining up with Patrick Doherty, as most of you guys know from Valvoline, and also Andrew Reigns from Apex Pro. So uh, that's going to be the lineup of the car I'm going to be in. Really worked hard to put that together, and I can't wait to carry the Jayzilla banner um, in the Lucky Dog race next month in August. Um, also, a huge thank you to everyone that came to the Atlanta Motorsports Park evening event on the 16th. Uh, it was a fun event, and uh, hopefully, uh, I don't think James wants to do it again, but if we uh, get the opportunity, um, really cool to spend some time with everyone after work. And also, the following day, it was, it was a busy week for a lot of us um, because we did a joint con uh, event with the World Racing League, did a DE that Friday at Road Atlanta. So, all the Jay guys that came out uh, Thursday and all you guys that came out even on Friday and uh, supported uh, the Friday uh, joint event with WRL. Thank you guys so much for coming. A lot of fun both days. Um, but that said, we're going to jump right in to episode 23. Again, thank you so much to Patrick Wilmot for giving us some time and uh, hope you guys enjoy. 
So before we actually jump in, quick editing note, um, we tried our best to record this and our app, kind of like my engine in Sunday's WRA, is kind of laying down on us. So uh, you're going to hear some static um, and it's worth a, a listen to kind of listen through it. Uh, all of Patrick's responses are actually pretty clear. So apologize, the apps uh, hasn't been cooperating with us actually the last two episodes. Uh, so we're going to look into trying something new in the future. So uh, it's going to sound a little different than some of the other episodes with some static and some, it sounds like someone typing in the background sometimes so we tried our best to avoid it couldn't do anything about it but it is such an awesome interview uh hopefully you guys can listen through it and uh learn a little bit more about patrick the jay zilla podcast with rick and gino Welcome to episode number 23 of the Jay's Love Podcast. I'm your host, Gino Manley. Tonight, we got a pretty cool guest. If you guys follow Jay Zilla on Facebook, you will know we now have an official coach, and it is none other than Mr. Patrick Wilmot. Patrick has done it all from racing in IMSA, uh, club racing, uh, instructing at some great venues like the Porsche Experience, uh, Primal Racing School, etc. And now we have him on staff as the official coach of the Jay Zilla track days group so uh tonight we're going to speak with him a little bit about that uh what he intends to do as far as coaching uh some of his racing a little bit of his background uh before we get started we need to make sure my co-host is here and uh, rick are you there ready to go in atlanta let's hear from awesome. patrick awesome patrick where are you calling in from tonight i am in madeira beach florida on vacation <laughs> so, I have to wow, work. so you're... i have to work while i'm on vacation guys <laughs> well, you know, again, I, I guess the pro race of the life never stops. But uh, first off, we're honored to have you as the official coach of Jayzilla. I know James was really excited about it. So um, for those people that don't know you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got into racing, et cetera. Yeah, so uh, typical typical start for me in, in go-karts. Um, I actually got a pretty late start, though. I didn't start until I was 16. But um, my dad used to race in HSR and SGRA, so I grew up. At the tracks around the southeast, Rotolana and Sebring and Roebling Road, and so I've had the passion, you know, for forever. But um, got a late start in go karts, and then my parents basically bribed me uh, in college to get good grades, and they they would buy me a race car. So um, that's actually a, a fantastic story uh, for the time. But we got a race car when I was 19 and started racing SCCA. And, and from there, um, my parents went bankrupt basically over my career. And, um, they told me I was on my own when I was about 22 or 23. And so, um, from there, I just found a bunch of little one-off rides. Unfortunately, over time, found my way into, into world challenge. I ran a global MX five cup in 2017 and then ran a Petit Le with IMSA, uh, in 2000. It's been a struggle, but it's been quite the journey um, along the way. So it's been pretty cool. It's been fun. Gotcha. So let's talk a little about um, what you're doing nowadays. Um, so I guess by day you're currently instructing, I think, with, with Primal or a bunch of groups. So what's uh, what's your day job currently as far as uh, motorsport? 
Yeah. So, you know, fortunately I, I get to call myself a professional coach. Um, so I work for multiple different companies. Um, I, I'm just a contractor. So I move around uh, from my own private clients that I have to uh, the Porsche track experience over at Barber Motorsports Park. I work for Primal Racing School at Atlanta Motorsports Park, which we all know and are very familiar with. Um, but over the years, you know, I've worked for Skip Barber Racing School and I've worked for AMG, a bun- bunch of different uh, tire manufacturers and uh, car manufacturers. So uh, I just I move around and, and fortunately I'm not settled in just one time. Awesome. Well, let's kind of go back in time a little bit. Um, so as far as before you made it the, into the Pro Series, um, I know you mentioned go-karts, but uh, uh, I know you do a bunch of Enduros now. So kind of what's uh, what, what's your forte in racing? I mean, do you still play around with the karts? Are you more into the to the actual GT car side of things like you were this weekend? What's uh, what's what's your what's your jam? Yeah, I mean, production-based sports cars are, are you know, it's my forte, I would say. Um, you know, recently with the Radical – uh, school, I've kind of started getting into that prototype side, but, you know, I like to go uh, get into go-karts when I can. I don't have many opportunities anymore. I, I felt like for a long time I was kind of stuck in the go-karts in a way because uh, I did so much with Andretti Indoor Karting and Roswell and um, with the Endurance Karting guys and, and all them. And I just, I felt like I couldn't break out of that. But fortunately, over time, uh, I was getting more and more rides in cars that kind of, you know, got me away from the go-kart side of it. But um, now it's kind of funny because I look back and I had so much fun and stuff and being in endurance karting and doing the long enduros and, and that kind of thing that anytime I have a chance to get back in go-karts now, it's, it's a ton of fun. We do the Orlando 24-hour um, kart race every year for um racing for children's out of alabama and um man that is so much freaking fun i I love getting back in go-karts when i can but the main focus now is just production-based sports cars and and basically i mean it's like everybody says you know i'll drive anything just like you gino i'm I'm, i know you're throwing suvs on track and that kind of thing now every now and then so um you know whenever there's an opportunity to drive something i'm not gonna discriminate against the car so so that's perfect timing. We know what Gino drives that's odd. What's the strangest car you've had the opportunity to drive on a track? <laughs> um, I will say one, one of the most unique cars that I ever drove was one of the uh, Ford Crown Vic police cars. Um, I drove it at Little Talladega years ago, and we actually put a, a old pair of uh, Hoosier R6 slicks on it. <laughs> and man, I got to say, if the car had a five-speed in it, it would have been phenomenal. And it actually did a great job. I mean, I was, I was not surprised after that, after driving that, that the Crown Vicks kept up so well with, with uh, criminals and stuff on the streets. So it, uh, it was a great car. But that was probably the most interesting one I've ever been in. You know, I was shocked. I had the opportunity to drive a Crown Vic at the pursuit track at Gypstick, the police training center, and I had the same reaction. I expected it to be a worthless pig, and it turned out to be a pretty incredible car. Yeah, I, I was surprised. There was, I mean, it's so big that I thought it was it was going to just push everywhere, and it actually did a great job. And it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't bad at all. Um, 
And the only reason I say if it had a five speed, it'd be better. It would just be, you know, able to select my own gearing and being able to, to come out of the corners in a, in a little bit higher gear would have been a little bit better, I think. But it was a good car. Pretty slick. So you, Did you get a lap time? I didn't. No. <laughs> I, I, wish I, I wish I had now. You know, everybody asked me that about stuff. Like, I just drove, you know, we just did the Jay Zola day, uh, the half day at AMP. And I drove the uh, James Mazda 3. And people were asking me about lap times on that. And I didn't even get a lap time in that car. So <laughs> I never I never think to, to time anything. So you guys are telling me, forget this uh, TCR car. Go buy a, uh, a Crown Vic and take that to WRL. I like it. <laughs> Without a doubt. <laughs> so let me kind of dig back a little bit in time because I think one of the coolest stories, um, you're probably one of the only people um, that I know, at least that, you know, on, on a personal level, that's done something like uh, uh, Petit Le Mans, done like the, the TCR there. So um, how did that come about? And um, I think you did it, it was in 18 in, in the GTI. I mean, how did that deal come about? And what was that like actually running that weekend? Yeah, so Petit has always been a, uh, you know, a dream for me because obviously being out of Atlanta, um, that's kind of what I've always worked for or worked towards. Um, and my, you know, me and my dad always talk about that's like once I made it there and, and got to race that race that, that, that was kind of like our, our main goal. But, um, so I've been working for years trying to find a ride. And as you guys know, uh, racing is not cheap. And, um, so I found, I found this team, Rumcastle Racing, that had an extra car, and a good friend of mine, Mikey Taylor, uh, who races Nipsa now, he kind of brokered the deal um, for me. And th- my co-driver is Mark was Mark Brummond, and he's the same same guy that owns the M4 that I just raced uh, this past weekend at Road Atlanta. And so I called up, you know, I said, "Hey, I got a pretty good deal for Petit," and. Um, I said, if you can bring some money, then then you and I can go and do the deal. And together, uh, and it and it it all came together extremely last minute. And it was um, I thought we had it done kind of early, and and then literally um, I think it was the end of August. Maybe it was like the deadline for um, you know your medical and all that kind of stuff. And Mark literally. He, he sent in his medical form at like five o'clock the day of the deadline. And so, and I was like, I was like, dude, we're not going to make it. Like, there's no way they're going to accept this. And they ended up accepting it. And man, we, we just barely squeaked in. But um, I was, I had already made the announcement that I was going to be racing Petite. So I was about to freak out if, if we had to drop out just because Mark Medical didn't clear in time. But um, it was a very last minute deal. It was just one of those things that we, we ended up finding out a car was available and, and the right kind of funding came along and, um, and we were able to do the deal together. So it was really cool. Gotcha. And I think you also did, a, I think it was a whole season of, was it Pirelli World Challenge at the time, I guess in, in TCB or what, what was that uh, back then? Yeah, so that was, that was actually a really interesting, um, interesting car and interesting team dynamic and everything. So I, that whole deal was pretty cool because at the end of 2015, I got a call from, from a really close friend of mine, uh, Michael Gay, who works with me over at uh, the Porsche school. And he said, Hey man, he said, one of my good friends has gone off the deep end and decided he wants to uh, start a race team. And um, I said, yeah, I said, he sounds like a real idiot. And um, so 
he said, yeah, we, he needs a driver though. So, uh, would you be willing to, to drive this car? And I was, I said, hell yeah, of course. And, um, so I talked to Parrish Holly who, who started the team and he bought this car and it was a real bear, man. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't anything great. Like the car, the car was, I mean, it'd been in like a rollover crash before it became a race car. So right up my alley coming from, from the Mustang that I used to race and everything. And so, uh, we put this, he put this deal together. I mean, I, I just drove the car and, um, I brought on Tyler Hoffman and Trevor Andrusco and they were, they were, uh, in Chris Lima, they were all volunteer, uh, crew members for me the entire year. So it was pretty cool. We just, we threw the scene together last minute and they volunteered to be my boys for the, for the year. And, um, Right as we were starting to actually get traction, uh, Parrish ran out of money and, and we weren't in season. But um, we did all right at, at uh, we, we had a couple top fives at most sport. But the, 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 what happened, man, the Mini Cooper just, I, it, it did so well in, in World Challenge the years prior that they BOP'd the hell out, hell out of the car. And for uh, 2016, when we came in, and so when we went to Dakota, man, we were like, like nine miles an hour slow on the straights and uh compared to everybody else you know in in a car that three quarters of the track is completely flat uh, we were pretty much screwed so um we got out there and ran around around 10th place and it was pretty embarrassing and but i got to say that driver at that point so it was pretty cool it was pretty cool from that aspect but um we kept trying to get uh we can kind of get more power because we had such a big restrictor plate on the engine. It was insane. We had like 200 pounds sitting in the passenger seat. And, um, so we kept trying to get more power and we went to most sent and they were like, yeah, that's not going to help your cause. And, um, then we went to road America and it was the same deal. We just, we were mid pack worse and, um, world challenge actually put out a video from road America and, um, we were really good through the corners, but as soon as we hit the straightaway, uh, all the other cars would just start driving away from us and everybody started commenting. They're like, what the, what's going on here? Like, this, this isn't right. And so about two weeks later, they told us, uh, they said, we're going to give you some more power. And it was at that point that we were pretty much out of money. So <laughs> we never actually got to get the more power and see what happened, unfortunately. <laughs> So let me ask you this, because uh, a lot of the cars you've been driving, well, it was the TCR, I think it was the GTI, the Mini, um, front wheel drive is kind of in the theme. Um, now, obviously, I know you've got a lot of experience in rear wheel drive and the M4 and a bunch of Miatas and stuff. So what do you prefer, your front wheel drive guy, rear wheel drive guy, and why? Ah, uh, man, I, you know, I was, I was, I've been asked this question before, and I was asked this a lot when I, when I got the ride for Petite. So... I, I mean, traditionally, I'm a rear-wheel drive car guy. I came out of a, a, a Mustang, an SCCA, and, I mean, it was huge. It was heavy, over 3,000 pounds. It wouldn't stop. It wouldn't turn. And um, But it just had – I mean, it was like a stock car. It was like a small stock car. It just had tons of power, and you just slid everywhere. And that's kind of – that was, like, my thing. I loved I loved that. And then um, I started driving the Mini, and I was like – I was like, ah, I was like, it's – I was like, whatever, man. It's, it's a car. I was like, I wasn't real thrilled about it, but I was like, it's pro racing. I, this is what I want to do. I don't care what it is. I'll drive it. And then, then I drove the CCR car. And the CCR, as you know, you've driven the Audi. 
it's it doesn't react like a front-wheel drive car unless you're going really slow. And so I rode Atlanta. It was awesome. I mean, like, the car reacted like a rear-wheel drive car through the super-fast corners, you know, through the S's, through turn 12. I mean, turn 12 flat on a, on a slick in those cars. I mean, it's, it's the real deal. And the only time you really had to worry about a front-wheel drive situation was coming out of turn 7 or coming out of 10B. Uh, you know, those cars have about 350 horsepower to the front wheel. And so you've got to be real, real gentle uh, that you don't just roast the front tire on them. Um, and that kind of, when I drove that car, that kind of changed my mind, I guess, on, on front wheel drive. I would still say I'm, I'm a real wheel drive guy, but I, once again, I don't discriminate when it comes to, uh, comes to rides. So I'll drive anything. <laughs> So let me move on to some Drazilla stuff. Obviously, the exciting news was you are now the in-house coach. So um, for, for those that are listening, I mean, what, what does that mean? I mean, obviously, to, to guys like me and Rick that are track day guys, um, to have access to a pro-level guy like you is huge. Um, but what do you have to offer? What do you bring to, to the members? And uh, kind of what's, the, what's your goals with the uh, being the official coach? Yeah, so uh, it was really cool. I, you know, I had seen this done with, uh, with Jade Buford with Chin track days before. And so I, um, I approached James and I said, you know, I, I think we have an opportunity here, um, to make, to make myself available, you know, somebody on a, on a pro level level available to, um, uh, to guys at a, at a cheaper rate. So, um, basically, you know, I did a deal to where with James to where people can hire me per session, um, throughout the day. And as long as I don't overlap, you know, with some, with somebody else that's hired me, um, then I'll go out and ride right seat. And we, uh, and we just go by that, you know, by that standard. But, um, if they want to hire me for half the day, they can hire me for the morning time or they can hire me for the evening, um, or they can hire me for the whole day. And I can try and, you know, work with somebody in the blue group, um, for the whole day. And then, you know, if somebody wants me for uh for the yellow group for one session they can hire me that way so it was just kind of a it was kind of a way to to give guys that go to jayzilla um more of an opportunity to get some pro coaching at a cheap because uh it's expensive man the the racing world you know it's to to drive with the coach well so um, we were just trying to find a way to make gotcha. And so, who would who would benefit group. the most, in your opinion? Is it is it somebody like in our red group who's you know really advanced, or is it somebody kind of the mid level? So, kind of what's a, who do you think the ideal uh, coaching candidate is in, in your mind? I would say anybody that's on a that's found themselves at a plateau. You know, so I, I think as drivers, we all kind of kind of find ourselves. You know, we'll be we'll be. Uh, you know, drop at times and we're, we're getting better and we know we're getting better. And then all of a sudden we kind of flatline and we just kind of sit there and, and it's like, all right, I'm not getting any faster. And I haven't done, you know, I haven't changed anything with myself. I haven't changed anything with the car and we're just sitting there at the same lap time. And then that's when we kind of, we need to grow again. So I always say, you know, if you find yourself at a plateau, you need to find a coach and, and let them find some, some little things that they can change and that'll make you a little bit better and you can grow on to the next level until you plateau again. So, you know, I don't, I always try and tell people that I try and work myself out of a job basically. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to make you good enough to where you can see your own flaws and you can coach yourself. But if you kind of reach that plateau, then just, you know, reach out, work on a couple things, whatever we see, 
and we'll grow. So as people reach plateaus and, and it's common, like you said, with track day guys like Gino and I, that you go out and do this for years and then you get to a point where you just don't have anything new. So what are a couple of examples that you see commonly with guys that would be part of the Jay Zilla crew? And maybe if it's different for blue group versus, uh, you know, a red group guy that's thinking about going racing, but hasn't pulled the trigger. Yeah. Well, I, w- I will say like the number one thing across the board from, from brand new drivers, even up in, into the advanced guys is the vision is like, that is the number one thing that I want to work on the most with people because vision literally will put you into and get you out of every situation on the track um, all the time. And so I think with, especially with new guys, you know, they're so focused on looking at their turn in marks, their apexes, track outs, that they kind of become oblivious to what's going on with everything else around them. And you'll find they'll be staring at those points a lot, which makes their, you know, obviously their eyes then are, are dropping and their hands are a lot choppier on the, on the steering wheel. And then you look at the guys that are, that are advanced that have been doing this for a while, you can kind of see the same thing. Sometimes they'll find themselves to be on a good lap or something like that. And they'll just, the car might get loose, they'll get sideways and they'll look the wrong direction just for a split second. And it'll put them in a, it'll put them in not necessarily a tank slapper, but the car will want to go um, to wherever their eyes just were. And it's one of those things where, you know, we would be looking where we want to put the car all the time, no matter where the car wants to go. And I would say vision is probably the number one thing the the, the next thing that really makes a driver great is how they use the brake pedal. So for the advanced guys, when they can get a hold of their vision and, and they found themselves looking in the right directions all the time, no matter what the car is doing, if they can keep working on the brakes and how they, re- especially the release of the pedal and, and get out of the mindset of these brakes are just to slow the car down so that I can make the corner and switch the mindset of I'm using this brake as a tool to rotate the car or make the car do what I want it to into the corner um that is like the that's where the last you know one second to to last few tenths are for the advanced guys gotcha and so now let me ask you this what is the the methods that you're going to be using are i know you mentioned right seat um are are you into the the whole data thing i know a lot of our advanced guys love uh going over rain data and things like that are you more of a are you outside of the car type of coaching what kind of methods do you use and uh, do you find that works for you yeah, so I mean, with with Jay Zilla, I wanted to um, I wanted to be available for all of it. So I told James, you know, I'm I'm cool with sitting in the right seat and um, and doing doing the right seat coaching. I think that there is a benefit there as long as the coach is good at it. I think that a lot of coaches have a tendency um, to sit in the right seat and talk about what just happened rather than what's coming up. And so I think you have to be really proactive in that sense that you're not distracting the guy from what's coming up, you know, make a quick mention of what we just did wrong and then move on to what we need to accomplish next. Um, but as far as data and, and video and all that goes, I do all of it. So, you know, if there's anybody that has race cars that, that have data and aim systems in it or, or MoTeC or whatever it might be, that's certainly something that we can sit down and talk about and go through. I'll, I'll do data laps for them and, we can put a data lap in so that they have that forever so that they can have something to compare to. 
and um and something to chase i think that's i think that's really really uh have so i fall from right to the to the data stuff and, and you don't have to delve into this too much but um what are, what are costs like as a range yeah so um I mean, I'll, I'll be completely transparent. We do, uh, for each session, if somebody wants to hire me per session, it's a hundred bucks. Um, so a hundred dollars per session, they can hire me for, uh, the entire morning or the entire afternoon for $400. They want to have me for the whole day. It's 800 bucks. So, you know, I think, um, I think it's an affordable rate that people can, can, uh, grab me for and, and have, you know, have that information for the rest of their career behind the wheel. It's, it's, it's one of those things where, you know, if I could tell you right now, um, I will make you two seconds faster. You know, <laughs> what, what is that? What is that affordable to you? Uh, or, you know, do you want to go spend a few hundred dollars to make the car faster, but you're still two seconds slow. So um, I, I try and, I try and change, you know, a lot of track day guys try and look at making the car faster immediately. The Corvette that's got a ton of horsepower, you know, and they want to go fast, but you know, you need to focus on the driver first. In my opinion, I don't go out and buy a, a brand new pair of golf clubs thinking I'm going to go shoot in the sixties. Right. So um, you got to work on yourself. And then later on we can start talking about the horsepower and, and, uh, and that sort of thing. And as far as scheduling, how does that work? Do they just reach out to you before? Because I think, uh, I guess our next word Atlanta event September. So how would they reach out to you? Do you uh, just contact you directly, go through James? Uh, how do you how do you want to organize that? Yeah, so I would prefer they just came straight to me. Um, but there have been some guys that have been going to James, and he's just been forwarding them straight to me. But, you know, I'm on social media everywhere, and, and my email address is everywhere. So... I would prefer that they just shot me a message directly and we could work straight from there. And I'd, I would just tell James, you know, Hey, uh, so-and-so is going to be at your event. He'll be with me. Gotcha. And, how, and as far as payment, how, how do they pay you? So you got PayPal, Venmo, cash, pesos. How do we get you paid? Uh, well, I haven't tried the pesos yet, but, um, <laughs> you know, maybe one day that'll be, that'll be a thing for me. Um, yeah, no cash check. Uh, I don't have a card swiper. Uh, just yet, I'm like a strip club, so cold hard cat. That's the money talks, right? So, um, but no, I, I I've got Cash App and Venmo and all that stuff too. So easy for everybody. So you've got the in car experience. Somebody rents you for a session. You guys go out. You run in the car. You talk about what's ahead of them, not what's behind them, and they learn something. They're they're a second faster, maybe. Do you guys then look at any data or is it completed all in car? Well, it depends. It depends. I mean, if they have, if they have a data system that they, that's in the car and they want to go over that, I'm more than happy to to go over that. Um, It just, from what I found, you know, with a lot of guys, their street cars, they don't usually have an aim system or something like that in it. Um, But if they have it, I'm more than happy to, to go over it and look at their fast lap versus all the other laps, you know? And then I'm again. I'm more than happy to to go out and put down a data lap for them, um, you know, and give them something to chase as well. well yeah, Rick, he needs to put down a data lap in your car. I know, and then we both got something to chase. <laughs> so, uh, Patrick, you're hired at the next, uh, preferably AMP, but uh, we'll we'll talk about Road Atlanta. Cool. I like the sound of that. <laughs> 
All right, so let me jump into some fun stuff here. Um, well, actually, I tell you, since you said nothing's off limits, um, you've had the opportunity to kind of play with us amateur guys um, at WRL, and I know you did the AER race me at Road Atlanta. Um, what's your opinions on the series? I mean, uh, since you've done it all from pro-level racing down to the amateur stuff like guys, guys like us do, um, level of racing between the, those series you've done, what's your, what's your opinion on all of it? I like it. I, I think um, I think WRL especially is headed in the right direction. I think it has a I think it has a chance to turn into something, um, you know, like a a good semi pro level series. And I think that's what we need. It's something that's affordable um, that will attract guys. You know, guys that are attracted guys can come. You know, come out and get a taste for what it's like. Uh, being wheel to wheel with other cars. So I think WRL is doing a really good job. Um, the other side of that is that we do need to be careful with those same guys that are new that, um, you know, haven't been to a racing school or something like that, that don't have the wheel to wheel experience because we have cars like what we were just in with the M4 GT4 that are, you know, that are turning 134s at Road Atlanta and then we're doing you know, 150s are, are greater. And so it's, um, it's kind of trial by fire in a way for, for guys just coming in if they've never done it before. You know, they, uh, they're kind of thrown in the deep end in certain situations, especially at a track like Road Atlanta that, you know, that's a big boy track. You can, you can mess up pretty good there pretty easily. Um, so I think, I think maybe like um, there just, there might need to be something that, um, that kind of an entry level, like they, they've been through some kind of schooling in the past that just kind of, you know, shows that they're, they're not going to do something dumb on track because it's, it, you know, it's not like champ car though, where you go out and like, it's literally, I mean, it, somebody off the street can just come in and do it. That's <laughs> like, that is, that is scary stuff. And I, and it's funny because I was just talking to, uh, I was just talking to a good friend of mine who, who races uh, in IMSA. And he said, I didn't realize um, how much I had to watch out for everybody else in champ car. And I was like, yeah, yeah. I was like, you, you really have to pay attention to what's going on. And he was like, it's not like IMSA. And I said, no, no. I said, a lot of the guys don't have any clue what they're doing. So, um, but it's, you know, I think with WRL, they're on the right track. Kurt Swearingen, who runs the Southeast, is such a great dude. He's, he's really got a good head sense of business. And I think um, he's somebody that can that can make WRL, you know, something uh, something like a semi-pro series for the future. Gotcha. And I just want to touch. Uh, how was your weekend in that M4? That thing looks like a, a ton of fun. Oh man, that car was awesome. I'm uh, I'm still waiting for the video uh, to get the video from our start on Sunday morning. But that car was uh, it was pretty insane. I mean, great power. The car was extremely balanced. I mean, that was. That was one of the, the critical things was the car is heavier than the GT4 came in, uh, but it and um, we we had the the Caymans weren't too much of a of a problem for us this weekend. It was the TCR cars, those Audis that that were running pretty strong. When they got a good driver behind the wheel, my God, they were they were on uh, they were on their way for sure. I I started on Sunday and and. Um, the guy who started the number he was like a um, he's a guy from the Atlanta area and he he's run some pro stuff before he's a he's a good driver 
and I took the lead, but man, I could not touch him after about four laps. So I let him back by. It just you know, it wouldn't didn't make any sense for me to start trying to race him in a seven hour race, and we were only twenty minutes in. Um, but I let him go, man. He took off. That car was just hooked up. Um, but the M4 GT4, man, it was sweet. That's the that's the first time I've gotten to drive one of those cars, and it was you know I love street tires. Like that is racing on a street tire is one of my favorite things ever because it's like it's like being on a biased ply. You have to there's an art form to it. You know you have to you have to constantly be on the edge of that tire the whole time. The car has to always be sliding if you're going to be really fast. And um, that is just I love that aspect of it you know, a 180 or, or 200 treadwear tires. So um, it was a good weekend. We had some mechanicals uh, that we couldn't help, but our, you know, our team, our whole team showed that, that we were the fastest ones there. So I think that's what matters. Gotcha. So any, any other plans to run that car this year? What, uh, what's your plans this year as far as racing? I can neither confirm nor deny anything in that car as of right now. Um, unfortunately, I wish I could say, yeah, I'm going to be in that thing for the rest of the year. Um, right now, I don't know if they're going to VIR or not. I think it kind of depends on if they get anybody to fill the seats for the second car. So we have a, we have a second car uh, available if anybody has the money or the means to go race an M4 GT4. But um, tons of gas motorsports has seats available. Uh, um, for VIR. So um, I'm not sure if there, but, um, there is another team with an M3 uh, split decision racing that I've raced with before in the past that has asked me to drive at VIR. So uh, if they get the car going and they're all good, then I will be there with them. It sounds like. Cool deal. So uh, kind of delving into your past a little bit, what is the favorite race car you ever driven? Oh man. That's a great question. I, I'm biased. I think I'm biased because. The, so I grew up. I grew up driving this this crappy Mustang. I mean, it is like it's just a brick with wheels. Um, it's an '84 uh, coupe, and you know it was a 400 horsepower, 3,150 pounds. I think. I mean, it was just a, a and um, solid rear axle, and the car like this thing i just haven't driven anything else that is just so visceral and scares the hell out of you so much all the time um you know when you're when you're sideways going through turn one at road atlanta every lap on a on a slick i mean there's something there's something special there um i would i would say like as the fun factor that car is still it's got a it's got a soft spot in my heart for it i love that car um but I will say them for GT4 that I just drove was pretty special as well. That car was, I mean, you can do anything in it. You know, it feels like you feel like you're Superman and something like that. So, but I think, I think the Mustang is probably still my favorite. I'm, I'm a redneck at heart. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So moving on, um, obviously you've done, uh, Dump Petit Le Mans, the TCR car. Um, if you could pick one race you could participate in, which would it be? Oh, Le Mans. 24-hour Le Mans, 100%. That's, uh, I, it's still the dream. Um, you know, I, I think I've had to face reality in the past couple of years that that might not come to fruition. Um, but even if it wasn't racing the 24-hour Le Mans, like if I could, if I could find my way into um, – 
the ELMS series or something like that and, and get to run one of the supporter races before it, uh, man, that, that would be incredible. Um, that, you know, I, I think, I, I think eventually I'll find my way into, into IMSA running the Daytona 24 and 12 hours of Sebring. Like, uh, I still, I still feel like that's obtainable. Um, the 24 hours of Lamar, though, is just like, it's so, you look at guys like, like Sean Ray, who have great careers behind them and um, they just never really got the opportunity to, to get to Le Mans. And it's like, you know, I don't, I don't have a resume like he does and he's not making to Le Mans right now. So it's like, you know, it, it's, it's really, really tough, but it's just about knowing, you know, getting connections and, and people knowing you and that kind of thing. So um, we'll see. I'd say Le Mans though is, is definitely number one on the list. Gotcha. You know, and it's kind of interesting how you, you bring that up because we talked to, I think, you know, Andrew Pinkerton, um, he was actually a guest uh, not too long ago. And I guess that's kind of the reality for a lot of pro guys just trying to wait for that next, you know, that next drive. So, and, and not to get to, you know, dim on or anything like that, but um, at what point does it become that, you know, again, you're trying to make this a, as a career. Um, is there ever a point where you think you stop or do you just keep going? I don't think you can stop completely. Um, not, not if you're like, you know, not if you're in a situation like, like Andrew or myself, um, cause we've, we've made it, you know, we've made coaching at least a career for ourselves. And so that at least opens the door to talking to people that, um, you know, that, that still have the drive to go racing or still have the funding to go racing that might need somebody in the, in the future. So, um, you know, like not, I mean, I think the dismal part of it that you're talking about is is a big part of just racing in general, and and being a guy that doesn't come from a lot of money, so we don't have you know we don't have a lot of opportunity to race professionally a bunch. Um, but um, you know, for me, last December was kind of a uh, this is kind of the turning point for myself. I. Um, realization that you know things weren't really happening and I was pretty pissed off and I, and I was bitter um, watching other guys that I felt like uh, didn't deserve things um, that they you know stuff was happening for them and and uh, they weren't working as hard as I felt like I was working um, but last December I just kind of told myself you know I'm gonna take a step back and stop chasing money and and I'm just gonna I'm going to coach. And if somebody calls me up and says, Hey, you want to come drive this car? Then I'll say yes. Able to. And, and, um, that's kind of just what I've done. And so fortunately, you know, every few months, somebody calls me up and asks me to drive something and I go drive. Um, I, I think recently though, uh, I've started kind of getting the bug again to where I want to chase money again. And I want to go, I want to go race. I, and honestly, like I've been looking at, the oval stuff more than I have road racing. I just, it oval racing seems to make more sense now. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but I think I'm going to start trying to go that direction. So what about oval racing? What makes more sense? Well, it's just, it, it seems like the guys in oval racing, first of all, they, they respect, they respect the art form in my opinion more. So, you know, in road racing, we have we have all these gentlemen drivers that you know they make their money, they they find a young pro and they go race. And over there in oval stuff, yeah, you got guys that have money, but 
you know, there's something about oval racing to me that um, you kind of have this backwoods type feel to everything, especially in dirt track. I mean, the dirt track stuff, like there's still a, you look at somebody like um, Kenny Wallace, that guy backed out of NASCAR and he's making a good living for himself running dirt, dirt track races every weekend. And there, you know, you spend a couple, couple grand for the weekend, but you can win 20 grand on the other side of it. So, you know, you can make good money and, and, you know, pay your crew and that kind of stuff. And that's just, it's not obtainable in, in road racing. It's just, you know, you look at something like, uh, like the 24 hours of Daytona where these guys are spending millions of dollars to win that race. And when they win it, what, what do they get? They get a trophy and they get a few, few hundred thousand dollars. Like, I mean, that's it. So they don't even t- cover their tire budget. I don't think with, with what they win from winning that race. So it just, it's more appealing to me because it seems like guys are still there, you know, working out off of, you know, working off of like an open trailer and they're just showing up to have fun with it. And, it, you know, and it's just the passion is still there. I don't, I don't know. It, it, it just seems still there um, in, in over racing compared to the road racing stuff. I've just kind of, I'm kind of burnt out on the road racing side of everything, to be honest. Plus, on a dirt track, you get to stay loose the whole way around, right? Absolutely, man. I, you, hey, I like being sideways. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so, so let me ask you this: uh, just as far as for somebody like myself, who's kind of naive to like dirt racing and stuff, is is that a thing up there in Atlanta? Or are there places around, or would you have to travel to the Midwest to do some of that? Yeah, um, there's a couple tracks here. Uh, we have. Uh, Dixie Speedway over in Woodstock, Georgia, and then uh, Rome Speedway in Rome, Georgia is actually like, it's a huge dirt track, man. I, I I can't remember the I can't remember the length of it, but like, I mean, even uh, four banger cars are like over a hundred miles an hour there, which is like crazy because <laughs> the four bangers are like those things are like topped out apparently <laughs> at that track. But um, but yeah, there's a couple tracks down here, and but it you know obviously like. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to go like, um, I'm not trying to do like IRA sprints or anything like that, but you know, like they're running out in, in the Midwest and all, but I would like to just dabble a little bit with some, with some dirt track. And, and, uh, honestly, man, I've been looking at legends cars, uh, lately. I think, I think a legend series would be, would be a lot of fun. I've, I've talked to a team. I coached it, um, last year at the world final at AMP and, um, I started talking to their team. And they've got an extra car, and um, the world final this year at the end of the year is at uh, Charlotte at the Roval. And so um, we've been talking to get me in that car for this year. So even though it's a legend on a road course, uh, you know, I think that might put me in a situation to where I could get on an oval in a legend as well. Gotcha. I like it. Well, I think that about how all the questions I had. Did you anything on the list, Rick, or – so we've got a data-driven guy who's driven for manufacturers and test tires. And we, this came up at the last event. The weather plays a factor in lap times and, and plays a factor in how you drive a car. How much difference do you see between a really good day and a really bad day in the same well, car? Will, that's a great question because I can give you the real-world answer based on this last weekend. Um, and... You know, from Saturday morning when Johan Schwartz drove our car for the start to Sunday morning. This is two different drivers, but 
we're we're close. We're pretty close together. I think Johan ran like um, like a thirty four six or something like that on Saturday, and then I run I ran a uh, thirty four flat, a couple thirty four flats on Sunday morning, uh, in the same car in roughly the same temperature. But even better than that, when I was driving uh, on Saturday, I drove from noon to two o'clock, about two o'clock in the afternoon, and. From noon to about 1.30, the track didn't really change that much. It was, it was pretty much the same. I started out in, um, in like the high 36s. I ended up around like 1 o'clock, about an hour in, hour 15 in. I ended up in the high 37s. And then, um, and then the lap times within the last 30 minutes, I mean, they just took a dive. It was insane. They went from like mid 37s to high 38s within literally within – a couple of laps and it was so strange to me um it was the first time that i had really felt that i had had a had a really good good long run and really felt a car start to, to die off due to the temperature um so literally i'm talking with laps or so i went from being able to break at a certain point into into 10a to where i had to back up you know three car lengths or four car lengths coming into 10A. And it's the same thing. Turn 12 started getting really greasy, and we had to, I had to really back up where I was breathing off the throttle and getting, you know, getting the car settled coming into 12. And, um, and same thing coming through the gases. It just – it was very strange how, how quickly it changed. And it was – you know, it, don't, it only seemed like a, a few, um, few degrees of difference, but, I mean, the track took a huge, huge turn. Um, just within the those twenty minutes or so that I was on track, it was it was pretty interesting. And do you, what do you think that was? Was it the car? Was it the track? Or was it you fatiguing after a long um, stint? Well, I'm not going to toot my own horn, but it wasn't me fatiguing. I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> um, no, it, it um it was definitely it was definitely the temperature. I wasn't I wasn't driving the car harder um, than I was before, um, and I hadn't slacked off at all either. I just I was using the same points, you know, same break points and everything the whole time. But mm-hmm. you could definitely feel, you know, as that two o'clock hour when it when it's starting to really peak, the temperature's starting to really peak, the the track itself was changing so drastically. Um, just from from different tires, you know, that's one thing, different tires being on the track together and having a mixture of different rubber being laid down, but also, you know, it was getting really hot at that point as well. The track temp had, had shot up. And what was really weird was I ended up almost running like a, like rain lines in certain areas. Like I was um, I was overslowing the entry like crazy to turn one um, and doing a super late index and staying within the first one third, you know, to the right of turn one going up, going up turn one at Road Atlanta just so that I had traction. If I got out onto any of the other laid down, I mean the car was sideways all the way up the hill. So it was it was really interesting to see the 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 track change that quickly. Awesome. Well, guys, that was your free sample of coaching and, and information about a track, and it also uh, helps us all feel a little bit better about going out to AMP and being four or five seconds off our pace from death yeah. of winter. No, it, it tracks change. I mean, they change within a few minutes, so you can't. It's really hard to judge, you know, especially judge yourself against somebody else, you know, 
even if you're in the same car, one hour can make a huge difference in what kind of lap time that you're actually turning on the track. Awesome. So, so I gotta ask because I'm a fan of both you guys. Um, in a shootout, you or you, you or Johan? <laughs> Johan's a great guy, man. I, hey, I can't. He's never gonna listen to this, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> um, well. I ran a faster lap. I will, that's all. I'm <laughs> that's all. That's all that matters. No, Johan's a great guy, man. You know, Johan started that endurance karting uh, way back in the day, and that was like my that was my second rung of, of go karting. Basically, I started in a in a in a league, a pro cup karting league, is what it was called at, at Andretti's. And his stuff was his endurance karting was the next step. And um, man, I've known Johan since I was about seventeen years old, and he's a great dude. He's a great driver as well. So um, I, I have no, nothing bad to say about you, Han. <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, if you will be at, you won't be at Charlotte by chance, will you? Or I will. Yeah. So I, I, uh, All right. I plan to be, I plan to be at every, every JZL event for the rest of the year. So I'm there. All right. So if Gino tries to book you for Charlotte, I want first look. <laughs> All right. Chris got first look. <laughs> See, the problem is, is I don't know what. Well, I guess you could coach me going around in the X5. I guess that'd be kind of interesting. Yeah, man, I'm, I'm down for that. <laughs> I, I, put him in Mianda. Yeah. Oh yeah, we could put it. See, all but this is gonna be interesting because I, I've got Andrew Rains coming, so we could have like a coach off. Oh yeah, Rain. He's a great guy too. He works with us. <laughs> so that that'd be that'd be awesome. You know, let's uh, let's let's get the reasonably priced car out there. Uh, that track taxi, and me and Andrew can go at it. That sounds good. I like this. James, when you listen to this, bring the mini. We'll get Andrew Rains to do a time lap. He can use his Apex Pro, and uh, we'll get Fatch uh, to do a lap, too. And, uh, that'd be fun. We could do something for charity. I like where this is going. I like that, too. I think that's awesome, man. That'd be great. <laughs> awesome. Well, Mr. Wilmot, thank you so much for calling in on your vacation. Guys, if you're listening, uh, you heard it here first. 100 bucks. Book him for a session. Um, I know I will. I know Rick will. Um, really cool to have this uh, access to somebody like him uh, in our group. So take advantage of it. That being said, uh, Rick, I hope you have a good night up there in Atlanta. Patrick, enjoy the rest of your vacation. And I guess I'll see all you guys at Charlotte. Thanks, awesome. Patrick. Thank you guys. I appreciate it. Have a good night, guys. See ya.